0: Well, we do have a special guest today, uh, Bri- Briley Right? did I say it right? Brentley, 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 okay, why don't we stand and hold him up today and let people see him, how good looking he is, here's, here's the time to say ooh and all ah on the service, ooh. How old? Two weeks. Two weeks old, so congratulations, well yeah, give them a hand this morning. Well, we're in our, our new series, which is called One uh, Conversation at a Time, and, and we're, it, it's an evangelism, a discipleship series. It's, it's for our mission month. Um, and uh, in this series, we're going to be sharing some, um, some testimonies, some video testimonies of people's faith journey. Everyone has a personal and unique faith journey. We're, we're all on a faith journey. And it's all personal and unique to us. And so we'll we'll be showing some of these videos uh, throughout this series, and uh, uh, we're gonna start the service with, with one right now. Go ahead.
1: Um, well, I'm gonna start when I was a child. Um, uh, when I was eight years old, I experienced um, some uh, sexual abuse. Um, and I have kept that secret to myself um, for years and years until I was 25. Um, So along the way since that's happened since I kept that to myself um, I kind of um, you know I had gone to church uh, I was sent to church um, when I was very young um, and then I shortly after I maybe went for like a couple years, went to Sunday school, and I loved it and everything, and then um, things just started changing in our family, and um, I just, everything stopped. Everything, going to church, um, there was just a lot of um, just bad kind of things happening in our family, and I think um, um, I just kind of ignored it, kind of stuffed it down, and just said, oh, well, that's just... You know how things are, and just move on. And um, I kind of felt like I grew up very young. Um, so fast-forwarding to um, high school years, um, I dove right into the party life. Um, I everything that you could think of that comes along with the party life. That's all I cared about, didn't care about myself, didn't care what I did. Um, To the pit of me, I, you know, there is a part of you that does care, but you just kind of turn things off and you just shut things down. And I just kind of did my own thing, um, later when I was about 20. I just thought, Oh, nothing will happen. Who cares if whatever trouble I get into, um, I got a DUI. Um, I, uh, that was a wake up call for me. Um, I, at that point started kind of turning around. Um, and just, I knew how messed up I made my life, my name, my, just everything. Um, I, uh, It was at that point that I started wanting to do things and do things right and kind of clean myself up. Um, So I was um, wanting truth. I was seeking truth. Um, I didn't know where to look or how to find it. And um, I knew there was a God, but I just thought there was some other way to find what I was looking for and I would do um, quote unquote fun things and I would go to, um, one time my friend and I went to a psychic and I was just wanting to know what am I supposed to be doing? what What is this life? And um, as silly as it is, I went to a psychic and just stuff like that. And, um, and that kind of drifted off and just it just wasn't anything there. Um, uh, so I was into dreams. I loved what things meant. Um, I, um, so I just kind of played around with that kind of stuff for a while. And um, um, one night I I did have a dream that God came to me in a dream. Um, and um, it was just how he had looked in my mind, you know, just uh, he had this, it was just a glorious picture it was a glorious just just had this beaming light off of him and um he uh, said to me that he gave me a brush that was this big and he said um i want i want you to take this and i said i didn't want it and um he says i i wanted he touched my foot with it and um, to kind of make a long story short, that's basically all it was about. And it, I woke up frantic. I woke up scared because I didn't know what this meant. I didn't know. I didn't know what to think. Um, I was crying. Um, and so, of course, I went to my dream book and figured out like, what does this mean? What does the brush have to do with anything? Or, um, and I, it said it wanted. He, it's for cleansing. He wanted to cleanse me. And um, from then, um, I went out and bought myself a Bible and um, and just soon found out that all the shame and all the um, things that I carried with me that he wanted to take from me, that I didn't have to carry um, any shame anymore, that he knew every step of me, he knew the darkness that I was seeking, he knew um, everything about me, everything that I was reading in his word um, resonated with me, with my heart. Um, that he is who he says he is and that he loves us, he loves me um, regardless of the trash of just the stuff that I allowed to happen to me, just everything and he he took it, I believed him and I... Um, soon when I met Ryan um, it was after that time that I accepted Christ as my Lord and my Savior and um, from then it just kind of um, took off from there Um, I went on a missions trip and it was um, ironically it was to a women's shelter that I went to it was a mother-daughter shelter that I went to and through that, um, he was building my faith, and he was um, just growing my heart and my love for him and my trust in him and taking every word that he says and holding it. And it's, it's our truth. And um, so that grew my heart a lot. And um, um, it's basically... Uh, I don't know that's basically what my story is that um, that he can take he can take lives and I mean we all know that that he can take lives but it it was it took me to believe it with all my heart it took me to literally take what he said in Isaiah 61 that um, his beauty to take his beauty for ashes and um, that we can live that way. And um, I cry because I knew the love. I felt his love um, through his word.
0: Powerful. Powerful story of faith as God has invaded Kristen's life. I, I, I I love that God doesn't wait for us. And uh, she came came to her uh, before she even knew exactly who he was. That's the prevenient grace of God at work. And uh, everyone has a personal and unique faith journey. Uh, You have a personal and unique faith journey. As I look out among this congregation, I see each of you have different ways that you've come to Christ, that, that Christ has encountered you through different means and different people. And God has placed people in your path. God has placed people in my path that have influenced my journey of faith, my acceptance of Jesus as my Savior. Uh, He has placed people in my path uh, to influence me and shape me into a Christ follower. And, And the truth is, He's also placed you in people's paths, and me, in people's paths. That, that not only are there people in our paths that help us in our faith journey, but we are placed in people's fa- path to help them in their faith journey as well. And, and that is God's plan, uh, that, that we encounter people and that we have been ambassadors for Christ. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And and so when you read this passage, what you see is that the Spirit has been given to us, not not just for personal piety or not just for our personal use or, or not just for our personal convenience, but the Spirit is given to us so that we can continue this mission of Jesus Christ to be a witness of our living God. Uh, didn't, didn't you enjoy Dr. Purdue the last last week for revival? I did. I I, I I just I enjoyed that set of sermons. And 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 Sunday morning, Dr. Purdue talked about how we're living. In the end, that, that it just feels like we're we're living near the end, and and to be living near the end, there should be an urgency in our life for lost men and women. That that we should have this persistence, this this desperation, if you will, to see men and women, boys and girls, find a a living, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And then and then Sunday night, and I I. I Told Dr. Perdue, I said, you're kind of a, a, a Twitter machine. Uh, he uses those little snippets, but I don't believe Dr. Purdue is on Twitter, so you're not going to be able to get him from his Twitter account. But he uses those little phrases, and, and sometimes he says them so quickly that they're hard to get down on paper. I don't know about you, but I try. And, and he said that, that Christ's mission was others. In other words, Jesus was in the people business. And then he said, and I believe I'm getting this right, Christ's mission becomes our mandate. And so we have this obligation. We have this this mission to continue, this mandate to continue the mission, the goal of Jesus, which was sharing the love of God to other people matthew twenty eight nineteen through twenty says "Go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age any other there's a lot of fascinating things and, and you could preach a whole series just on this this these two verses but but, but there's this ideal that we are to go and make disciples and and when you use that word disciple you can you can also use the word learner or follower that that followers or Jesus have been given the task of helping other people learn what it means and begin the journey of following Jesus in faith to be a learner from Jesus and and, and the, the original disciples the original followers gathered around Jesus and and lived with Jesus and and One conversation at a time. Jesus built precept upon precept into their lives so that they could be effective followers of Jesus Christ. And and so Jesus is giving us this, this same mandate, this same mission. Build into other people's lives. People are your priority. And we do that one conversation at a time. Now, this scripture could, the, the go in this scripture could literally be translated in your going. In other words, it's, it's not, okay, tomorrow I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disciple or in this program I'm going to disciple or in, and with this person I'm going to be a discipler or I'm going to be someone that leads someone and trying to follow Jesus. But, but, but the literal translation is as we go about our life, we are to be disciples, leading people one conversation at a time into relationship or deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. So that means at work, at school, in our neighborhoods, in the grocery stores, we're driving down the road, as we're sitting around the dinner table, Table as we're at the parks, sitting with people. There is this mission that we're called to be disciples making disciples. And I know when pastors say this stuff don't you just want to go, oh man he's going to make he's going to run live for me. Everything's got to revolve around this. This doesn't mean that there's no fun, there's no creativity, there's no relaxation that you're always on call but there is this deep seed this deep ideal within us that every conversation every encounter matters. Jesus modeled Discipleship, and he's going. And, and, and oftentimes, it was through simple, ordinary conversations. I, I, am, I am always amazed at how Jesus can take the most simple, ordinary thing and turn it into something holy and dynamic and life-changing. Jesus saw each person as a as unique and approached him or her uniquely. Now for this series, next week is Faith Promise, and so uh, we have uh, John Cunningham. Which uh, uh, Mary Gingrey? Where's Mary at? Did Mary? Okay, Mary's not here. Rapture must have occurred. <laughs> Saw her earlier, but John Cunningham is is. Um, is um, Jesus Film, I believe, is his, his major. So he's going to share with us, and, and we'll be supporting Faith Promise, our, our worldwide missions, and, and, and hopefully you'll pick up a card uh, at the end of service or, or get it next week, and sometime this month we'll give a pledge for our world missions, our missions offering. We, we give every year to support that, and all that you give towards Faith Promise goes towards mission activities of our, of our church. Uh, and so I hope you support that. Then October 15th, 22nd, and November 5th, I'm going to be exploring one conversation, John 4. Uh, th- this, of course, is Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. And, 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 and I don't want you to get the idea that we're, we're trying to create a formula, that there's a formula to discipleship, because Jesus doesn't approach it this way. But, but I believe when you look at this conversation, I, I believe this conversation with the Samaritan woman gives us Three things that will help us in our conversations. In fact, when you look at Jesus' conversations, he uniquely encounters each person he sees. Uh, t- take some time, read them. In, in John 3, Jesus meets Nicodemus, who is this religious leader. And, and then you compare John 3 and Nicodemus and Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman, and they're completely different. <laughs> In response to to the religious leader, Jesus dives right in. He doesn't waste any time. You see, Jesus later, and there's this encounter with with the Greeks, and it's it's during the uh, the trium week, tri- the triumphant week and the, and and during Passover, and and so Jesus encounters them, and, and so there's this ideal that Greeks are wanting to see Jesus, and 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 I think what's going on is they're wanting to get into some intellectual conversation, as Greeks were often wanting to do about what all this theologically meant. And Jesus just basically says, I'm going to die for you. Not an intellectual conversation. And so Jesus oftentimes has these unique conversations with people. It's never the same. But we're going to look at John 4, and we're going to look at the Samaritan woman. And I think there's, you know, I'd encourage you, read it, think about it. Over the next few weeks, I I think we could spend some time in this. I I think I've preached out of this this passage more than any passage, and I don't know why I'm drawn to it, but I've probably preached out of this passage more than any passage, and I don't think I've ever preached the same sermon on it, so I don't know what that means. Uh, uh, There's just a lot in here as you read through this encounter with the Samaritan woman. But I think that the primary thing I want us to see in the next three weeks is what do we learn about conversations? Why do we learn about these holy opportunities that God gives us? Each of us this week, God will give us holy opportunities to take people deeper into a relationship with Jesus Christ to disciple people, to, to help them learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And when I use that language, I understand that, that that I believe that this converse, these conversations begin before salvation, before conversion. That there's conversations we have with people who are not followers of Jesus Christ, that those conversations help and assist and direct people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there's conversations after people accept Jesus as a Savior that lead them deeper into maturity and sanctification and and love with Jesus Christ. What do we do with these holy opportunities that we're given? Now, the first thing I want you to see is this. Discipleship and I would say evangelism as well, is a commitment to conversation, not conquest. In other words, I think we can get this mindset that people are notches on our belt, that, that, that somehow we, we need to theologically argue people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it just doesn't work. That, that, that somehow we have to see these opportunities as not a chance to show how much we know, but how much we love. Uh, And in these conversations, we can lead people significantly down a pathway towards discipleship and following Jesus and learning about Jesus and learning how to love Jesus and be loved by Jesus. This means that we have to value the opportunities that God gives us. What I appreciate about Jesus, and I'm, you know, we're, we're Christ followers, right? We're followers of Jesus Christ. And that means one thing is we have the mind of Christ, we see things like Christ, we try to live like Jesus lived. And one thing that I see about Jesus is that Jesus saw opportunities where no one else saw opportunities, and he valued those opportunities and took advantage of them. What, what if we saw every conversation as a holy opportunity? What if this week, when we were engaged with people, if we said, okay, this is an opportunity for God to lead someone somewhere. Why? Conversations lead somewhere. Usually. I mean, I guess it's not always the truth. Sometimes you can have very shallow conversations that don't lead anywhere. But I believe God intends our conversations to lead somewhere. Now, the truth is, in our culture... Most people are not skilled in conversation. If you're skilled in conversation, raise your hand. I'm, I'm curious. Judy, raise your hand. Okay, Chris, yeah, Chris is, I can see that. Uh, Terry Moore is skilled in in conversation. Ernie McFarland is skilled in conversation. There's a few of us that have conversational skills, but most of us, I would say, we would say, hey, we're a little bit impaired in taking people into deeper conversations. I'm impaired, Uh, you know, it's not my gift. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that that God's working on me and and why he's he's talking talking about this with me. As um, a matter of fact, when I try to engage people in conversations, most of the time it looks like this.
2: Big gulps, sir. Huh? All right. Well, see you later.
0: That's about my skill level, and I don't know about how various feels. Uh, I think God wants us to be better at that. Uh, you know, e- even introverts can be better cons- conservation- <laughs> conversationalist. Um, yeah, you know, I-, I can't even say it, let alone do it. Uh, conversational skill is built through practice, and um, and there's some practical ways to improve our conversational skill levels. There's some practical things. And and so, you know, we'll we'll get more theological as we go on, but I'm going to give you just some practical things to think about as we we think about these holy opportunities, to take advantage of these holy opportunities in the best way possible. The the first thing is this, take time to really listen. (laughs) I think I've talked about listening as a pastor here, and, and I don't know why. I think it's God working on me. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of the problem solver. Anybody else problem solvers? And so all you need to give me is about five words into your problem, and I can start on the solution right away. You know, I'm, I'm great at solving everybody's problems. I just don't really like to listen to the whole problem. And, and I don't think I'm the only one like that. That, that. You know, we need to take time to listen in our conversations. And when I say listen, I say, I'm meaning listen. Listen to the other person. What, what do they say? You have two ears and one mouth? <laughs> uh, listen to the other person. But not only listen to the other person, but listen to God. What, what, what would happen if in your conversations you would say, you know, you, you don't have to you don't have to bow down on your knees and, you know, face down and pray this. You could, say, you, could, you could pray with your eyes open. I'll give you permission. You could pray with your eyes open. What would happen if when you began a conversation, one of the first things you did is said, God, if this is a holy opportunity, if this is something that's more than superficial, if this is something that's more than casual, can you help me really hear what they're saying? And not only that, God, can you help me really hear what you're saying here? What if we valued our interactions with people to that degree? Second, see conversations as a way to show love. Uh, Paul Tillich says, listening is love. In other words, what, what if we saw conversations as not just happen-chance, ch- not, not just something that to kill the time, but we saw that as a practical way that we could show love to that other individual. So, so when you look at the definition of love, love is not this emotional thing. Love is more than that. Uh, agape love, this love of God, is that where, where we meet the needs of other people out of our own resources. And so when you see conversation as love, you, you see that need that person has to be heard, to have somebody invest in them in, in, a, in a real and a significant way. And so in our listening, in our giving of that resource of our ears, we are actually giving of a resource to someone else, something they need... And only that as we give our attention, our love, our care, that we're giving of ourselves. So, what if we saw conversations in this way that, that, that I am going to really listen and I'm going to really engage in you and somehow show my love? Take time to reflect on the conversations afterwards. Man, I'm making conversations a lot less fun, aren't I? Uh, you know, I'm making it like a school assignment, but, but what if? If you want to become a skilled conversationalist, if you want to get better at this, it takes work. Any skill that you develop takes work. I don't know if you knew this, but Todd Gates was an all-American football player at Bowling Green, right? And he went to the Philadelphia Eagles and was on tryout for a whole month with Dick Vermill, and I believe this was two years ago. <laughs> it took time to develop the skill of a football player. I mean, it wasn't just you're, you're a big guy, but there was more than just big guy involved in that. There was there was skill, there was time commitment. Any skill, pick it, whatever skill you you're good at. It took time to develop it. And if we want to be good conversationalists, it means that we need to develop the time. Give the time and reflect on what's said. Sometimes it's painful. And, 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 you know, I don't think you should beat yourself up because you're learning. But you need to ask yourself, did I miss something? God, was there something said here that I didn't catch on to? Was there something I said I shouldn't say? And how many would raise their hands and say, man, that happens about every conversation I have. You know, learn from the conversations you have. And then spend time with people who are skilled conversationalists. Hang around Ernie. Hang around Judy Toole. H- hang around people that, that know how to have a conversation and watch how they do it. Now, now there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference between people who know how to talk and people who know how to have a conversation, right? <laughs> Terry and I were out this week and we were sitting at a table with a group and there was somebody that could really talk. But there wasn't a lot of conversation going on. In that, it was just, you know, monologue. And so good conversationalists, the mark of a good conversationalist, in, in my opinion, is you find yourself sharing far more than you thought you ever would. <laughs> Anybody ever been around somebody like that? And the next thing you know, you're sharing everything. And it's like, how did they get me to say that? So hang around, people. That, that know how to really engage people. Watch, observe, learn from their gifts. Now, you know, as I thought about this, you know, the point of this is not that we become good at conversation. That, that's not, the, that's not the, the end. That's that's a means. It's not the end. This isn't a TED talk on conversation, okay? Who knows what a TED Talk, you guys all look kind of blank there for a second. The point is, leading through our conversation, people into a living encounter, a loving encounter with Jesus Christ, that somehow through the opportunities and the gifts that God has given us and the skills that we're able to develop, we are able to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the point of life. It's the point of your life. I mean, when it's all said and done, when you come to the end of your life, you know what will matter? What you did with Jesus. (laughs) And people that you encounter is the same, what they've done with Jesus. And so the point of this is not that we just get good at conversation, but that we make the most of the holy opportunities that God gives us each day, each hour, each week. So the question this morning is, what holy opportunity will you have today? What holy opportunity will you have this week? Now, now we've kind of changed service order a little bit. And uh, we're, we're pl- praying, doing the pastor world prayer kind of at the end. And Amy's going to come and play. Um, you know, maybe... Maybe you just want to sing and, 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 and you don't feel any real need to respond at an altar. Maybe you do. Or maybe you just want to pray at your pew and, and, uh, and just respond to God that way. Um, I love the song we sang uh, before we, we went to prayer, and before the sermon, How He Loves. <laughs> uh, How He Loves uh, is a John Mark McMillan song. And John Mark didn't write this song in the midst of a high time <laughs> He didn't write this song when everything's were going, everything was going great. Th- this song sprang from a time when his friend died in a car crash, and he was trying to process what was going on. Uh, when you see this song live and you see John Mark, and, and we, almost, we almost fell into it today, the kind of weird thing about this song <laughs> um, It's really some. It's not like one of those high church, real great melody songs. I've seen the song sang in a shout Passion. How he loves. And I've seen, particularly younger generations, gathered at concerts singing this, where there's not a lot of melody, but there's a lot of passion this is a passion song because this is a song where we find ourselves in the midst of trials in the midst of circumstances that we don't understand and this overwhelming nature of the love of God just falls on us truth is we've been in one of those seasons in our church just just seems like it's one of those seasons of bad things Psalm 23, David, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, "Your mercy and your love pursues me." Never stop and think about that? God's love and God's mercy chasing after us. And I think there comes points in our life where there's just no more going to do. We're just done. And I think the image of this song, and the image of the psalm is in those desperate moments when we don't know where else to go and don't know where to turn and and we just fall on our knees. It's the mercy and the love of God that just falls all over us. Some of you are there this morning. That you need to just passionately express this love of God. Maybe you need to meet him with an altar. Maybe you need to talk about conversations. I don't know. But this is response time. God is here. God is here. And God demands, deserves, that's probably a better word. God deserves a response. Praise, prayer is a response stand with me. We're going to sing this. Our altars are always available. Then Pastor Bob's going to close us in prayer in here in just a few moments. close us in prayer in a second I, I just feel compelled and uh, I don't always do this heads bowed, eyes closed I don't, I don't want anybody looking around is there anybody here but uplifted hands say you pastor I'm just encountering this loving God and you know I, I, I want to live fresh and new for him just by lifted hand would you acknowledge that today I see those hands put them down Bob, pray for those as well
2: so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my all Paul tells us in view of all that you've done for us the only reasonable response is to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice saying take us Use us, Lord, as you will. How do we show you that we love you? We obey you. We allow your will to be done in us and through us. And so afresh in this time of worship, we say, here I am, Lord. I don't know what you want to do, you want to accomplish but whatever it is I want it I want to know and to experience your will even in the conversations that I have sometimes we just don't realize how important words are a smile is to share a good thing in the midst of all the ugliness that's going on in our world. To be your hand extended, to be your ear that listens, to be your heart that loves. Father, we come to you knowing that what we have to say isn't worth anything if you're not behind it. So we pray that whatever these conversation times may be this week and in the days that are ahead, you'll go before and prepare that person you help us to be sensitive to what you're doing because that's the most important thing that we can be part of we spend so much time asking you to bless what we're doing but Lord we need to bless what you're doing thank you Father for this time when we can just bear our hearts before you and we can say, Lord, shine the searchlight of heaven in upon us and show us what you see and where you want to work in our lives where we need to allow you to change us so that we can be all that you would have us to be. Father, we pray for these whose need and desire was expressed with the uplifted hand you know them you know what they're seeking you know what it is they need to find meet their needs we pray Lord we we spend a lot of time praying for those who are in physical needs and we know that you hear and answer prayer and that you are concerned to that we lift them to you, and Lord, some that are new, we think of uh, Nancy Walter's uh, dad, and pray that you'd uh, minister there. We pray for little Eli, as he's going to be starting uh, another round of chemo this week. Olson who's going through that series up in Chicago somehow we know that you can be here with us and there in that room and may they sense your presence and the list goes on and on and if you'd just say the word that's all it would take to meet every one of these And we often say, Lord, if if I could heal everybody, I would. But we don't know what you know. We don't understand because we're in the midst of the circumstances. But we do trust you. You promised you'd not withhold good things from those who walk uprightly. That your will is always best. And so we trust you. Just are engulfed in your love when we can't see, when we don't understand, when our hearts cry out, Why? Why, Father? And then you surround us with your arms. You breathe peace to our troubled hearts. Lord we're about to go out to where you have placed us to meet people that we meet a lot and people that we rarely meet help us to be sensitive to the leadership of your Holy Spirit to open up conversations that will plant the seed of your truth that you can make grow. Have your will and way in all of our lives, and we'll be careful to ascribe unto you the honor, the glory, and the praise, now and forevermore. And it's all because of Jesus, our Savior, our Sanctifier, and our coming King. Hallelujah.